Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. In your own by guys, it's all about being sensitive, having fun, and just really being yourself. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bye Guys with Zach and Ian, and we are shifting into gear on a solo episode today. You and I are crotchety, broken old men. Everything... I literally just got off crutches and then you tore your Achilles. It was a tag team. Yeah. It is, it is insane. I have been on and off of a cane for the past two plus years. Well, you were on the cane for a while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was late. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Got off over a decade, brother. Uh, and I, you know, I, I threw my back out at Skankfa. I got hit by a car in 2020. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, it's been a fucking nightmare. Uh, in at Skankfest in Houston, I'll never forget falling on my hotel room floor, crawling to my phone, army crawling like fucking Forrest Gump in fucking Vietnam, and then calling my best friend who's a doctor at 6 a.m. and just going, help, please help. I really thought you were going to say Forrest Gump in Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> I just I was like, well, it was help. that you had the cane at Scaring Fest, and then you were like, you had like a truss. Yeah, I was out. Yeah, you had like an old lady, like, oh, yeah, undergarment. You had bloomer, you had steel bloomers. I had steel bloomers. I was steel magnolias. I was uh, fried green tomatoes. I was out. And then my osteopath helped me out. And then the back thing will come back every once in a while. And I, dude. I was feeling so good. I joined this gym. I'm doing squats. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And then I show off like a hot dog trying to impress my gym friends. And boy, oh boy, this fucking ankle popped. And last week, I had the crutch. And we're talking, you know, if that's a blood clot, you got to go to the hospital. And shout out to our healthcare system in New York City because it was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah, what did you get out of the hospital for? You went from where we were. Went from where we were to like mid after, like later in the afternoon, nighttime. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We recorded at like six or seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go and I go to um, City MD, and they're like, "Oh, that's definitely a blood clot. You have to go to the hospital. We'll give you a piece of paper. They'll see you right away." I'm like, "Great." So I go to Lennox, get in, just 
give the piece of paper to him. Like, they said they'd see me right away. And the guy's like, uh-huh, take a seat. I'm like, okay, I have a blood clot. And he's like, uh-huh, seat's over there. I'm like, okay. So I said, I'm waiting an hour. A woman comes out and she goes, oh, we don't have an uh, ultrasound machine. So you're going to have to go uh, either uptown, but I have to be honest, we're unusually busy. There's about 70 people waiting to get to be seen. Or you can go across town to Mount Sinai and they'll see you right away. I'm like, all right. So I go across town and, uh, and, and the, the dude, entire waiting room open at this hospital. Guy sits two seats next to me. And as I get up to leave, the nurse goes, and why are you here? And he goes, I think I have COVID. <laughs> what the fuck is the matter with you? No mask. <laughs> Mask, man. Mask, okay. But still, still. I mean, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. You would, I would probably sit away from people. Yeah. So then I'd fucking go all the way over to the, the, I'm on the west side. I go to the east side. I go to Beth Israel. First of all, a guy gets in, there's, there's a homeless guy outside the door just shouting. Then another guy gets in front of me and goes to the triage and they're like, sir, why are you here? And he goes, bugs. I got bugs all over me. <laughs> like, and so then again, I'm like, all right, I got to step away. And he's like, the bugs, I was in the woods. They all crawled on me. <laughs> and they go, uh-huh. And he goes, and I'm also here for mental health. <laughs> so then I'm getting helped. Wheel this fucking crazy lady in on a gurney. And the most stereotypical, like, Italian... Like, uh, Staten Island EMS FDMY guys with her. And the woman's like, this isn't Beth Israel. This is Mount Sinai. And he goes, lady, I keep telling you, they're the same place. And she goes, you're not Italian. <laughs> and he goes, I am Italian. She goes, then speak it. And he goes, that's racist. And some Dominican guy goes, that's racist. You know, you say to me, you're not Spanish. If I don't speak Spanish, I'm not okay. Oh, I ain't okay with Italian. And I'm laying in a bed, and I just go, yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, she's, she goes, you're out to lunch, and you didn't even bring a box for your food. <laughs> and I'm like, what are these fucking... And the guy goes, lady, I'm sharper than a liverwurst sandwich. I'm sharper than a slice of bologna. <laughs> Like, did I come into the 1950s? What the fuck is this? What episode of Night Court did you <laughs> fucking go to? Insane, man. <laughs> and this woman's yelling, and she's just like a crazy old New Yorker. And it kind of made me be like, this is this is the New York that's left. It's hospitals where the real crazies go. And it's old school Italian, Irish EMS, FDMY, you're not getting this in Murray Hill. You're not getting, even though Beth Israel's kind of in Murray Hill, but you're not getting this on the outside. This is where it is. So how long until they said you don't have a blood clot? Well, let me just say this. We should do a live podcast from Beth from Israel. Beth, live from Beth Israel? <laughs> and interview people that come in. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I go... Dude, they're like, hey, the ultrasound tech left. That, that's it. We're the Beth Israel guys. <gasps> We're rebranding. <laughs> the Beth Israel guys. <laughs> so we, uh, I'm like laying there, and they do all this blood work. They take me to an MRI. I got to get an MRI. The blood, the the solar, the 
the ultrasound thing technician is in there, so they do chest x-rays to look to see if I have a blood clot in my chest. By the way, nothing wrong with my lungs. So I said, that means I can keep smoking. Yeah, sure. And the doctor said, I'm not telling you to stop, but eventually you need to. And I go, a couple more years. Yeah, Thank you. You bought some time on that one. So run my blood work, did all these tests, no fucking AIDS, no hep C, no nothing, fucking no Did you get tested clot. for AIDS twice last week? <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> 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 I did one. I did swab of the gums, and then I did blood. So I'm, I'm, I'm safe on all ends, you know. You got to do a backup test when you're running around banging around town. So, uh, so everything's clear, and they give me like this topical ibuprofen, and I tell them I'm an ex-drug addict, so I'm like, uh, I can't have pain medicine. So they give me tramadol, and then they're just like. Tylenol, ibuprofen. I mean, you know, it's like massive pain. I couldn't put fucking. Thank God I had crutches. So then I go to. I they they go. You got to lay off it all weekend. Don't travel. Don't go to work. And I'm like, you can get fucked. So I just went to Toronto with crutches. They wheeled me around the airport. Got to Toronto. Stole a wheelchair from Pearson Airport. Gave it to the comedy house up there. Excellent. Fucking amazing. Really fun weekend in Toronto, and uh, yeah, no, I'm back. And in town. were you on a chair on stage the whole time? No, I had the cane. You had the cane, hobbling around. Yeah, I bared the pain of it for like an hour each night, and then I just would go back and like ice it and put it up. But you can't do crutches on stage. I I can't sit down and move around too much. But I kind of like the cane because it it was a distraction from like looking at the crowd and stuff. So I was like hobbling around, and I, I don't know, maybe I'm a cane guy now. Are you just, yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I think I've reached my final form. Yeah, no, I like my chair on stage because I like, I like bringing people in. Yeah. So, but it's very different. We have very different energies. Well, yeah, I use a cane and I go, hello. Yeah, yeah, you're doing really wonky stuff. Hey, I tap it. And then when I make a point, I go, I don't think so, Buster. Oh, did I knock your coffee? Nope. <laughs> Not mine. Yeah. So, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> I told you at my wedding, my, my, my father-in-law came in a wheelchair, but like with digital camouflage on it. So everyone thought he was a veteran, but Jesus he's not. Christ. And, uh, so he, uh, he only got out of the chair really to walk my wife down the aisle and then they put him back in the chair. Right. And then he goes to give his speech, but everyone, it had been too long since they remembered he walked her down the aisle. So he walked out with the cane and he tried to do the Willy Wonka where he threw the cane. But everyone was like, wasn't that guy in a wheelchair? So everyone just thought he was like a dick. (laughs) And he bombed. (laughs) He literally threw the cane and everybody went, what the fuck is this guy doing? This guy was in a wheelchair 10 minutes ago. He's like, I don't need that. (laughs) That's how he talks. (laughs) That happened to me at the coffee shop today. And he fucking bombed so hard because he had to go last. He chose to go last. Oh, you never put the dad last. Well, it was my dad. Not, excuse me, he wasn't last. He was second. It was my dad, then him. But my dad, like, wrote out, like, a thing. And he was going to wing it. (sighs) 
So he literally, my dad goes, he's really, my dad did really good. And then my wife's dad goes, I don't know how to follow that. Uh, and then he just starts panicking and he saw there were drums. Oh no, did he hit the, the drums? He goes, I used to be in a band, I played those for a while. And then forgot he was talking about his daughter at her wedding Jesus. and just started telling his life story. And then remembered where he, what he was doing. He goes, so yeah, you know, you take the good times with the bed. You help each other through it. And yeah, congrats, I guess. And everyone's just like, huh? <laughs> and <laughs> then proceeded to interrupt his own daughter and my best friend's speeches. Because he was mad that they were doing good. So he heckled them. Jesus Christ. With what? <laughs> just ah! just like yelling shit. When did he, I mean, the it way you're so talking, weird. it sounds like he interrupted with yabba dabba do. No, he was like, uh, like my best friend got off the stage and like he was giving us me and he, and he put his arm around him and he's like, I just want to thank you for taking care of Zach and, you know, making sure. He's like, hey, easy, there. that's my daughter. And I'm like, it's my wife, you old cunt. Like. <laughs> I married her five Christ. minutes ago. You were there. <laughs> I love old people so much. <laughs> He's such a fucking disaster. I love old we disasters. Call, we call my wife's dad fuck that because that's all he says when you want to do anything. Uh-huh. They're, like, they're like, hey, do you want to go across the street and see it? And he goes, ah, fuck that. Amazing. And he literally. That's his dinosaur's catchphrase. He fucking. <laughs> we all went to like a big. Like a, a natural, like a, a fucking uh, park, like a fucking mm -hmm. big, like public. It was, was very nice. It was like a big hike. And he goes, I ain't doing that shit. And he sat on a rock for four hours and smoked weed. What? <laughs> Jesus he goes, I'll be here when you're done. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the day I met him, we were at a barbecue at uh, <laughs> my wife's sister's house. And my, uh, my brother-in-law's a cop. And all his friends are there, so it's all cops. Yes. And this is before weed was legal. Mm. And in the middle of the barbecue, my cop brother-in-law had to go, hey, did anyone leave their medication in my bathroom? And he's just got a giant jar of weed. Jesus Christ. And he's like, and the dad goes, oh, yeah, I forgot in there. Sorry. <laughs> just in a fucking party of cops and firefighters. <laughs> just fucking... That would have been funny if they arrested him at the barbecue. Nothing would have made me happier. <laughs> uh, fuck that. The, the only conversation I had with him that day was that he yelled at me for liking Journey. What? Why? Because we were talking about something and a man goes, oh, Dad, Zach likes Journey. He goes, the Journey was a great prog rock band before they got that na-na-na-na-na singer. And then he did that pop shit. Is that what you're into, that pop shit? Dude, here's Great to thing. meet you, sir. I'm fucking your daughter. <laughs> here's 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 what we need to do. Every time you do an impression, it is so incredible yet unbelievable that these people exist. We need to call them to hear. Like I want to hear this guy, and then I want to hear your mother and him interact. <laughs> like I need that so badly. I just need a conversation. The meeting of the minds of these two people. Okay, I will admit I do like three voices. And I assigned them to like twenty people. Yeah. So the that impression is also that impression started as my wrestling coach, Mr. Barnaber. Mm. And then it, it morphed into my father in law. Because mm. Mr. Barnaber <laughs> you ever have a teacher that 
just looked hungover every day? That was our wrestling coach. Okay, well, he would be he would be at the bar by the time we had left practice. We never figured out how he did it. <laughs> <laughs> and he was an old man with bad knees. And you ever he was so hungover looking that every sentence he said to you in the morning looked like it might have been puke. <laughs> what? Every. <laughs> How you doing? Oh, God. <laughs> it looked like he was about to throw up every sentence. <laughs> I can only imagine what my old students are saying Come about kick him me. in the balls. About, like, when I was teaching, I was, like, 21 or 22, and I would get to school early so I could chug two beers at the deli. <laughs> I would get them, see my students, and be like, oh, hey, how you doing? And just make sure they brown bagged it before they gave it to me. And I'd chug a beer in the phone booth and then puke in a trash can and be like, time to change the future of America. These poor fucking kids. Dude. Whoopsies. Whoopsies. These poor children. They, they're already. Dude, why do you think the fucking, all the fucking riots and the PS5 giveaway teens that are like just fucking mindless, nihilist fucking morons? They're all the age group of the kids I taught when they were in high school. Oh, good. So when I taught them in, in grade school and high school, they are now the the 20 to 26-year-olds that are fucking lost in looting. Yeah, rioting in the street, buddy. Hey. <laughs> You're welcome, Brought America. to you by Mr. Finance. <laughs> <laughs> were you Mr. Finance? Yeah. You didn't use well, the name? Well, at one of the schools, it was a progressive school in the Lower East Side, so they called us by our first names. That uh, was Ian. And the kids would give me their, like, gang flags, and uh, I'd, like, do gang symbols, and then they'd try to take a picture, and it was like, absolutely not. <laughs> hey, responsible adults over the age of 21 living in states where Delta 8 is legal. You guys like to get high. Hey, me too. So let's head on over to YoDelta.com and stock up on high-quality lab-tested Delta 8. You guys know what Delta 8 is. It's something found in hemp that can be legally shipped to various states and get you really high. And YoDelta.com has a great mix of gummies and vapes for all your getting stone needs. But let me tell you from personal experience, Delta 8 works and these products need to be taken responsibly. So once more, that's YoDelta.com, the official Delta 8 sponsor of the Gas Digital Network. And if you use our promo code GAS, you're going to get 25% off your order. One more time, guys, that's promo code GAS for 25% off at YoDelta, home of the Delta 8 that gets you super high. Uh, the comic Chris Tinkle used to be a teacher too. Yes, but he had to use a different last name because he couldn't oh, walk God. in front of a group of children and go call me Mister Tinkle. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Well, I did. I wish I could have used a different face, demeanor, <laughs> outfit. I wore these. I wore nice cowboy boots to teach, and one of the kids said he'd shove it up my ass. He really was Mister Finance's opus. <laughs> <laughs> You do. You really seem like you would teach kids poetry by relating it to hip hop. I did. Of course you With did. Talib Kweli. hundred percent. Of and course. And they said it did. was gay. <laughs> and then and then I tried to use um, Lupe Fiasco, <laughs> and they hated it. I legit thought if I sat backwards in a chair and used rap as poetry, I'd change everyone. You were but, trying to dangerous minds. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I just need a leather jacket and a vagina. <laughs> I I will say though. I did really, uh, I would ditch like actually like history lessons and this and like legit talk about um, like they, they would never get asked why they would behave the way they were. Like there's a, a woman screaming on the street 
and all the kids ran up to the window and they're like, look at that woman. Look, ah, she crazy, ah. And I was like, stop, what? Why are you doing that? And they're like, cause she crazy, listen to her. And I'm like, you know that's, do you guys have a mom? And they go, yeah. I go, do you have a sister? And they go, yeah. I go, do you have a dad? (laughs) Silence. (laughs) (laughs) What would you do if your mom or sister was screaming on the street? And they go, I'd be sad. I go, and what if somebody ran up and made fun of them? They go, I'd be mad. I go, so why is it okay for you to do that? To someone else's mother or sister, and they go, "Cause she crazy." I, I, I don't know, and I go, "Well, every time you look at something like that, you have to think that this is somebody's mother, this is somebody's sister." And they're like, "Well, I didn't think that." And I go, "All right, so how do you feel now?" And they go, "Bad." I go, "Well, are you gonna learn?" And they go, "Yeah." And I go, "Well, you, then you should feel good." Mm-hmm. And I would do little things like that, I and then when they would say, well, "It uh, did, it did," they behave, dude. I, yo, I would bring in lotion for my kids. I'd bring in a fucking fan. Every day I would bring in an oscillating fan over my shoulder because the school didn't have AC. I'd fucking bring the fan in. I'd have two things of lotion because all my kids were ashy. I'd lotion them up. I'd fan them up. You know? That doesn't sound good. Oh. In retro, like, whoa. Looking back, I was a teacher. What did I do? I would fan and lotion my children. No, there was no touching, no touching. I would give them the lotion. And okay, they would lotion them up. Now, now rub this on yourself in front of oh, no. me, in front of my fan. Oh, no. I'm Mr. Finance, dude. I would make them line up and shake my hand and make eye contact. I really brought my white, my white, white discipline energy. into the into the classroom. When you got mad, were you ever like, "Gosh darn it"? No, one time I was like, "You're acting like animals." And oh like, what no, what you mean? And I was like, "Boop boop." and then and then one time i was like why do you have cell phones how do you get an apple phone in sixth grade and they're like oh what i can't afford it and i'm like no you can't you're in sixth grade and then and then when they would be like homophobic this was when i was still like in the closet and i'd get really upset and uh be like uh you know, it, it's 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 just crazy how they and I guess it's like a kid thing too. like you have no awareness that what you're doing to other people, if someone did it to you or someone else, that would be like hurtful. You know what I mean? I got you. And I don't know if they're taught that at home or not, but I would ask, like, where'd you hear that? And they go, my dad. And I go, and what's he say? The fags go to hell. And I'm like, well, what if a friend of yours was a fag? And they're like, or a teacher. <laughs> Well, at at a certain point, I did have to go, you know, you don't know who's gay and who's not unless they tell you. You could be talking that way and it could hurt someone who is gay and you don't know it. We're gay and we all know it, but we're not talking about it. Dude, when I taught in the Bronx, it was over in the Bronx. And it, it helped me. I learned I had to not bring my white energy in. I had to, like, allow their energy and me to absorb it because... For me to like go into their culture and be like, no, acclimate to me is like wrong because I'm going into their world. So it really helped me to be like, no, no, I have to amend myself and be malleable to this. And it it was like a lesson in like acceptance and choosing your fires and whatever. And uh, it, it it was just a bad situation in the Bronx. It was I I couldn't handle it. It was I had no help from the staff. The kids like. I, it was. It and what was did, did you teach? Dude, everything? One, one Were you the, like a, a sixth grade teacher? No, nah, I was. I was teaching test prep. Okay. So one of the teachers 
She'd been so that I worked for Kaplan, which was a test prep company, and we go into charter schools when they were really bad in um what's the word? When they were uh not in when they In danger of failing. In danger of losing their charter. Okay, yes. gotcha. So we would come in and basically teach the children how to take the test so that they could just have a marking that says, see, they're they're up to snuff. We mm -hmm. can keep the charter. Everyone gets paid. Terrible system. Mm -hmm. But I had to get money. So I was a massive part of the problem, you know, but I still, and that's why I was like, it's more important to have like life lessons and conversations than it is to just make sure they pass and know like the, you know, McKinley Act of 18, whatever the fuck. So, um... What was I saying? I don't know. Yeah. Did kids ever steal from you? No. Oh, so here's why kids are liars and the devil and we okay. shouldn't listen to them and they're Please. pieces of shit. Go ahead. And it all comes from home. Uh, because, uh, and, and dude, it was crazy. I would have, like, also it's so sad, man. The graduation for, for rape for black males in New York City is 35%. In the Bronx, it's 13%. It's like just so, it's just such a sad, broken system that I contributed to. And I felt guilt. I, I mean, here's the thing. I feel no guilt because I, I, for years, I was volunteering and working in these schools and like actually trying to help. So I have no guilt in like, what what can be done, blah, blah, you know. But I, the guilt I feel is that I was involved and then I left. But everyone I know that was teaching has left because they're like, dude, it's so broken. I, for my mental health, I can't be around it, you know. You know, I didn't – when I moved to New York and I started making, like, friends that grew up in New York City, I'd always – it would always take me aback where I'd be like, you didn't graduate high school? Yeah. And everyone's like, no, I got my GD. Yeah. Everyone and yeah. I couldn't believe how few people. Dude, and, and and what was wild was when I was in the Bronx. It, I mean, dude, it it all goes back to the home. It all goes back to the home. And I know there are things set up in certain systems, and you know, there there are single parent homes and this and that, and there you know things happen, and and it's it's a vicious cycle. I get that, but there would be literally a black kid living next to a Mexican kid, and the black kid would be failing and have massive behavioral issues, and the Mexican kid would be like in class on time, like, I did my homework, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, I don't know, it's it's stereotypes. You know, it's like, I don't know, the Mexican kid was probably beat if they didn't do well in school, and the black kid was probably beat if they didn't, you know, steal for the mother. No, no, they they, they anyway, gave you a beat. What? They gave you a beat so you could rap over <laughs> it and teach them about poetry. No, but it was it was just, I don't know, it was so disheartening and sad and broken, and, and I did everything I could, but it, it's... It, it it was I mean, dude, I would I would walk out and just like cry and call my mom and be like, I can't believe it. Like, dude, I was teaching eighth grade at one point. One of my kids had to miss class because he had to go testify in court against a guy that slashed him in the face when he was waiting for the subway. Like the amount of trauma that these children face day to day is just so fucking heartbreaking. And um, it 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 translates to their behavior. And, you know, like. So one of the teachers, so we worked with, with Kaplan, and one of the teachers, sorry I'm like bogarting the pot, I, I don't know why I'm like going off on this, but one of the teachers we had was um, with the company for over 10 years, she was like high up, whatever, great teacher, and there was a kid in her class, 
And this is why I, I'm like so adamant about like, do not believe children. They're liars. They're manipulators. They're fucking smart. See, all these kids were fucking smart, but not in the way that's expected in school. They were like so gifted, so smart, so um, like, but but they realize that they're pawns in the system to just move on so that the administration, the school can keep uh, saying that our numbers are good. And then they're just lost because they get to high school and they get to be 18, 19 and they're sophomores and they can't fucking read. You know, it's so fucking sad. Anyway, so this teacher, there's a kid in her class, um, third grade, terrible, like menace, like getting up, hitting kids, screaming, like mm -hmm. clearly issues at home, whatever. So she used to kick him out of class again. And she takes him in the elevator to take him to the principal's office because there's a camera in the elevator. <clears throat> so she takes him to the principal's office, whatever, whatever. Next day, kid comes to school, bruised up, bump on his head, says that the teacher beat him in the elevator and that uh, she threw him down the stairs. Camera didn't work in the elevator. Believe the kid. She got fired from the company. The no one in the school had her back. It was crazy. Had been with the company for 10 years, like had moved up, was in charge of a bunch of she was like the point person at the school, wonderful person. And they just believed this troubled kid because she couldn't prove that she didn't hit him when it's like all she could do is be like, why would I beat this kid? This kid is a, well, why a would menace. you beat a kid in an elevator, then throw him down the stairs? Yeah. I didn't think of it that he way. threw him down but... the stairs and then brought him in the elevator to beat him. Yeah. And throw him back down the stairs. <laughs> that is ruthless. Cartoonish. Yeah. I mean, dude, and and that's they dude, that that happened to me. A fucking there was a kid in class. I used to walk him home. He was kind of like slow, you know? And um he he was like I my helper in the classroom. And uh he would get up. And I would let him get up and then I, I would give him a, like like 30 seconds and then he would know to like, I would put my hand on his shoulder and he'd know to go back, right? So one time he did that and then he got up again and I took his shirt and I go, beep, 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 we're backing up. And he started backing up. <clears throat> so these two girls that were like problems told their dad and the principal that they saw me hit this kid in class. And I had to go meet with the dad meet with the daughter, meet with the principal. I recorded everything on my phone mm -hmm. just to have my back. And uh, the dad and everything was like, I believe my daughter, this and that and the other. And then that was the day I filmed uh, Gotham Comedy Live. <laughs> I had to get like berated by a family in the Bronx and then go on stage and be like, white girls love the fall. <laughs> like, it was just so bad. Did dude. they ask the kid that they said you hit? Yeah. And what did he say? She. Yes. Oh. Yes. It was a she, the... the, the... That said I had a boy. Yeah, no, did they ask the boy? They didn't bring him into the, the meeting. I feel like that's crucial evidence. Yeah, and I feel like I got completely fucked, and then a week later they were like, we're... we're you don't need to come back. <laughs> but, but the crazy thing is, this was like a horrific experience. Years later, right before the pandemic, I volunteered with an after-school program 
to teach comedy to children, mm -hmm. which I almost talked my way out of it because I was like, I'm not the guy. Are you what? I might they can't watch me, you know, but just like basic joke structure. There was like joke books, whatever. We had like an open mic at the end where the kids would go. It was so fun, but it was at that school in the Bronx. I thought you were going to say that the slow kid is now Andrew Schultz or something. I thought I thought there was going to be a bigger. That kid? Nico White. God. <laughs> Dude, there was one kid, his stage name was Chicken Nugget, and he would only talk about Chicken Nuggets. But it was fun, man. I, I, I gave them all notebooks, and then through the weekend, they had to write down interesting things and then tell the story, and we'd, like, punch it. You know, it was, like, really, really wonderful. But... How cool is that, that it all came full circle as like a professional comic living off of comedy. I used to live in hell having to go to this school and then do open mics and everything. And then now I'm, I was there to volunteer and it's at the school that I had this experience at. Is that cool? Do we get Chicken Nugget on the show? <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing? <laughs> he gets Ladies and gentlemen, you know him from <laughs> McDonald's on West 4th Street. <laughs> Chicken nugget. Give it up for chicken Dude, nugget. They all had Def Jam comic energy. Just like little, little sixth grade boys pacing around the class. You know, yeah, my brother. My brother puts his boogers everywhere on the controller, on my food, I, I <laughs> on grandma. Watch, I want to watch this now. I would go to that show. Let me see if I can find a picture. It's all right. We're on a podcast. Hey guys, real quick, I just want to talk to you about one of our favorite sponsors here on the show, and that's Mango. Think Mango, because they help men get hard and go hard with a new innovative compound that levels up your bedroom game. How? By combining three FDA-approved ingredients, including the active ingredients in Cialis or Viagra, oxytocin, the love hormone, and L-arginine, which increases blood flow to achieve optimum performance. It's a rapidly dissolving tablet with a delicious mango flavor that hits the bloodstream quick for fast results, and it's individually packaged for on-the-go use. It's 100% online. It's a free doctor visit with no subscription required to try mango. Listen, if you got a dick, if you're a dude, if you're a chick, if you're something in between, I want you to have the most luscious, delicious, dreamy, juicy cock that you have ever wanted, and you can get it by going to MangoRx.com and using our promo code GAS15, and our listeners get 15% off your first order. That's promo code GAS15 for 15% off your first order at MangoRx.com. Now go get that fucking cock of your dreams. Let's get plugs out of the way. You're right. Ian, what do you want to promote, buddy? <laughs> uh, I will be opening for Chicken Nugget. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this weekend, Rochester, New York, Comedy on Carlson, August 24th to 26th, uh, and then I have uh, Roar Comedy Club, Springfield, Massachusetts, um, Amityville Music Hall, Long Island, um, Skankfest, Skankfest, ianfinance.com, sorry I'm tired, oh, American Comedy Company, Bray Improv, uh, a lot of fun stuff coming up. Uh, again, ianfidance.com, ianimal69 on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. And uh, check out B&E &E with Jordan. New episodes Wednesdays on YouTube, patreon.com slash b and &E pod. And uh, we're doing a live bye, guys, at Skankfest 
The old Philly reunion every yeah. year. Oh, well, also, uh, can we announce that uh, on uh, September the yes. 17th? Yes. We're on uh we're doing a thing with live uh, no need for apologies. apologies. Yeah, we're going to do a crossover episode. Bye guys and no need apologies. Going to be fun. Ludlow Street, Lower East Side and September 3rd, Philadelphia, the Philly Comedy Festival all day noon until midnight probably. Tons of podcasts, me McCusker, Butterly, Rainey, Shaner, Lemare, Gardini, going to be a fucking blast. Check that out at phlcomedyfest.com. Fantastic. Hey, if you're listening live, I am going to be in Portland, Maine at the Portland Comedy Festival this Saturday. I did that last year. So fun. You're going to love it. And uh, then I will be at the Creek in the Cave in Austin, Texas on the 1st and 2nd and 3rd with a live uh, realized podcast at the Sunset Strip Comedy Club on the 3rd. Then on the 8th through 10th, I'm at Side Splitters in Tampa. Uh, if you like the show, and we know you do, head on over to GasDigital.com. Use the promo code GUYS30 for a 30-day free trial. And go to MerchTension.com, where I've had Sody's long sleeves and t-shirts. And thank you so, so, so much for supporting of the show. Ian, what was the name of the gay country song you wanted us to oh, experience? Um, it is this. Can you look it up? I think his name is Dixon Dallas. Hell yeah, dude. You know... Who do you think is the first gay man to bring um, open gay talk in music to the mainstream? Because um, there was innuendo. Yeah, like Liberace had references that you kind of knew it was like tongue-in-cheek that he was a gay man. Mm-hmm. Um, George Michael, Boy George. But I'm talking like the Cardi B equivalent. I think Lil Nas X. Yeah, because I always wondered, you know, when is gay gonna come into the mainstream? And well, about Morrissey, like, yeah, but Morrissey wasn't like dangle your thing in my mouth. Oh, okay, you know? yeah, yeah. So I'm talking explicit. like explicit, vulgar, because it's been okay for so long for women to be like, you know, pop my pussy, this and that, and then everyone's so homophobic, especially in that community. I was always wondering when is that gonna pop, and then I think Lil Nas X was the first one. Especially with his music videos. Maybe like mainstream, yes. I'm unapologetically sure mainstream under, I'm, gay. Yeah, I'm sure there's underground or stuff that we've never heard of. Right. Even like you go back and you hear songs from like the 20s or some black like, don't wash my pussy tonight. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been dirty music forever. Well, yeah, but I'm talking about mainstream. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, you could be right. I can't think of anybody who like was explicitly... Well, I think Wheeler, gay in a positive way. Wheeler Walker Jr. was gay, but that was like a parody of him yeah. being like eating pussy and kicking yeah. ass, sucking dick and eating ass, you know. But this guy, Dixon Dallas, do you know that song? It's called Good Looking. Maybe. Does that sound familiar? I can play part of it and you can tell me if this is it. There's something about the This is nice. That's a girl. You leaning closer and my heart starts Bring it up a little. I heard you sigh. You know I love that sound. Ooh. He's bouncing off my booty cheeks. I love the way he rides. I can hardly breathe when he's pumping deep inside. I kiss him on his neck and then he kisses on my pussy. Call him daddy while 
All right, I think we got the idea. Well, I don't. <laughs> well, I don't want to get demonetized. I don't want to. I don't want to get that episode struck. I think the. I think the mental hurdle is not the, how gay it is, but like the the vibe, the chill, cozy sound of the music versus the extremely explicit lyrics. Yeah, because it's like that. I like that, it. Yeah, no, I'm picturing I mean, a long haul trucker being like, "God, I hate queers, but goddamn, this don't catch it." <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, man. Wow, there's some, there's some old country stars that are probably rolling over right now. Well, that's the Norm Macdonald bit on Tex Hooper. The, I don't know what you're talking t- about. The 21 minute opening track from his sketch album Ridiculous is a 21 minute gay joke where they bring it, dude. Can we just play it for the rest of the show? If you're listening, if you're listening, Norm Macdonald, Tex Hooper, look it up. It is so fucking funny. Him and Artie Lang play sound engineers that get a country music icon to come back and record a new album. The guy disappeared. They heard these rumors that he murdered a man and then he had to go into hiding. And then he starts playing new songs and progressively they get gayer and gayer. But at first they can't tell. Like he's got to see, he's like, this next song goes out to the working man called Manhole. He's like, kissing on the manhole. And they're like, and then they lower the music and Artie Lang's like, did he just say kissing on a manhole? And, <laughs> and Norm's like, no, he said kicking. Like, you kick the manhole at the end of the day after working, you know? And then it just gets gayer and gayer. And it's so funny. And at the end, it's like, uh, it's, it's like, Tex Hooper started a new genre of country, Texas gay. <laughs> or no, country gay. It's so fucking funny. Nor- oh, Nor- I Nor- think so- I just shit my pants. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, my God. Norm says fucking, uh, when he did uh, the secret group, the guy who worked, who? Se- uh, when Norm did the secret group, yeah. he brought his opener who was a gay guy. And I guess everyone was like, couldn't get a read on Norm because all he did was make fun of his friend that was with him the whole day. Like, yeah, we went out for lunch. This guy got fucking chili dogs. Imagine that. And they're like, why? He's like, cause he's gay. That's a weird thing to eat when you're gay. He's going to get fucked in the ass later. He's going to shit everywhere. Cause he's gay. <laughs> he just, he, but he wouldn't drop it all day. That's so fucking funny. And everyone's like, is Norm McDonald an asshole? I'm like, no, I think he was just doing a bit. Isn't that the story with him and Chris Kattan? Well, that's that's more that Kattan was, like, antagonizing him. Yeah, but it wasn't he, like, you're a gay man. <laughs> it was, uh, and I don't want to, it's, it's uh, Brewer tells it, well, it's Brewer's story, but they were doing the Twilight Zone sketch on SNL, and Pam Anderson was the host. Uh-huh. And whenever they said that whenever there was a hot chick, Kattan would, like, overly hit on her. And, uh... <laughs> All week, and Norm was supposed to be Rod Serling, uh-huh. and so Katan was like kind of being mean to Norm and hitting on Pam Anderson, and that during the actual taping, <laughs> they're like alive and Ted, and in front of this crowd, Norm's just like, "Why don't you tell everybody you're fucking gay? <laughs> you're obviously a homosexual. Like, why don't you tell everybody you're fucking gay, man? It's fucking sad." And then they're like, <laughs> "They're like, and you're on." He's like, "Imagine if you will, and just nails the sketch." And when you watch the sketch, Brewer's laughing the whole time. He can't get his lines out because Norm just eviscerated Chris Kattan in front of the studio audience. 
I think Catan, dude. I saw a fucking Facebook ad for Catan doing stand up, mm-hmm. and it looked like some sad Rob Schneider horseshit. Can you pull up Chris Catan's stand up? It looked fucking a trip. Who was- would you rather see, Miranda Sings or Chris Catan? Miranda Sings. What? She's like Mango personified. The Mango. <laughs> uh, it, dude, it, it's. He, it's the clip they chose, whatever the ad was, he's not doing good. And that must have been the best clip they could find of him. Do you have it? There's just an ad, one sec. Yeah, because like some of that, that new Rob Schneider stuff is such fucking right-wing fucking... Oh, I want to see that next. Dude, Schneider, fucking Brewer now is like this fucking it's weird... Crazy. like. Why do they all get brain worms? I don't understand... I mean, Brewer's a fucking dumb guinea from fucking... Yeah, but dude, Brewer was so funny, Island, and then so... now his whole entire act is just like... Yeah, I, I guess maybe... just eating it up. Yeah, but is it like a... Uh... Did he start doing that because Fuck! his fan base got older? I just spilled coffee on my fucking pants. Sorry. All right, well, now you have matching stains in the front and back. I can't believe... What the fuck? I am falling apart. I got a cane. I just shit myself. I didn't shit myself. It just felt like a shark. Uh, did you find it? Uh, yeah, but like, it did hit change, or is he just appeasing the kind of people that go see Jim Brewer in 2023 or whatever? Well, right. New jokes. Fucking talk about Metallica more. I don't know. I will put off guard because there's like, people on Tinder, they like stretch their eyes out and stuff, and they're really big. Sometimes they like take photos of. What the fuck is this? Hold on, let him go. opened with it yeah and then he could go i don't even want to be chris katan yep that's the bit wow that's the that's the clip i mean you really could have trimmed the fat on that one what if we are like the movie funny people but for chris katan (laughs) just two two young gay comics we revitalize. Trying to, get him, trying to get him to be funny again. We revitalize. You should Katan's do the manga. Career. Do the mango. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do the monkey. Do oh. Mr. Peepers. Oh, but but do it. Do do mango for for um, hunter crowd. You are the venison. <laughs> do do the do mango, but you're at Hunter Biden's house. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now do Mr. Peepers, but Joe Biden's falling asleep the whole time. Oh my God, Mr. Peeper. Dude, he, he would just dress up like a fucking gay man dance or a monkey and eat slam food into his mouth. And yep. we were like, this is the height of comedy. Well, when you rewatch SNL, because people like bitch that SNL stinks now, SNL always stinks. What? Let me get that. Oh, at the time. No, SNL. Like- 
always stinks. We remember it through rose-colored glasses because we remember very funny moments. If you watch an unedited episode of what anybody would consider their best season, like, because let's be honest, whatever your favorite season is, it's usually because you were 12 or 13. It felt subversive. It felt new, right? So everybody's got the year. It's like The Simpsons. We're always going to think those, you know, seasons three through ten are perfect. But that's because that was like we were the right age for it, right? Uh, when you go back and watch a full SNL episode, there'll be one or two funny things. And you're right. And that's it's how moments. the show is. And we remember the moments. But when you watch it again, you're like, this blows. For five whole minutes? Yeah. Yeah. It blows. I don't understand why SNL But doesn't... that's what sketch com- Sketch comedy sucks. I don't know. I've you got to throw really, a lot really of good sketch. Comedy. You got to throw a lot of shit. I mean, other than like a Mister Show or something that's like prolific. I think you leave. Sure, kids in the hall. I mean, a weekly live the sketch state. comedy show mm. is always going to suck with a few moments of brilliance. That's fair. Because we don't remember like watching old, like even like Farley era. A lot of it sucks, but I then he has like one or two good moments. Disagree. Watch, let's watch Farley, a whole Farley era unfuckwithable. No, dude, because you forget there were other people on that cast. Alan Cleghorn, amazing. Tim Meadows, wonderful. Terry Sweeney, okay. Now we're getting there. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's, you know it's, about T. Sweens. Yeah. It, <laughs> also, how funny is it that, like, that's the grift as you become, like, an old fucking conservative? Yeah. Like, it happened to fucking the lady from UHF, whose name I can't remember at the moment. The blonde from SNL. Oh, yeah. Victoria Sweeney. Vic- no. Victoria... Jackson. Jackson. Funny enough, stars of UHF. The most racist people in the world. Really? And weird hell. Really? It's... it's <laughs> Victoria Jackson. Fucking Michael Richards and He's weird hell. racist. He made a mistake. There's something so funny. That Weird Al just made this beautiful comedy, and then just in 20 years, he's just like, I probably should have chose different casting in this one. Amazing. All right, let's get out of here, because I got to do commercials, and I got to run and do real yes. podcast. I apologize for cutting it short. Thank you guys for tuning in. We, uh, on behalf of everybody here at the show, much love to our friends in the booth. Nat and Jorge, you guys are absolutely phenomenal, and I love you very much. We'll see you next week. On behalf of myself at Ainan Fidance, this is Zach Amico saying... Bye, Bye, guys. guys.